Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. We are the independent voice of Fulham FC. And tonight it is Fulhamish Extra. Extra. We always give you two podcasts a week, but at the moment it is imperative that we give you as much Fulham content as possible because there's just so much going on uh, in the Fulham world. Uh, And joining me to discuss all things Fulham, Sunderland, Derby, Cardiff, uh, we've got two fellas that know all things when it comes to the cottages. Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Don Betts. Hello, hello. I missed doing the podcast on Monday. You did? Yeah, it was good fun. I had a, I had a, we had a good laugh. A good, a good, it was, we had an uncut full of mish. It was like pretty much like straight down the barrel. There was very, very little editing. There was, you know, it was, it was very much a, a pure, pure uncut, un, you know, charred. I, I just enjoy being a listener occasionally. Like, obviously, I'm nearly always here, but it was just nice on the train in listening to you guys uh, blabbering on about Friday's uh, brilliant win over Millwall. And I'm also joined by Don Betts. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing, Dom? Yeah, not bad. Good after last night. Yeah, how are your limbs coping? Uh, after... uh, well, my laptop's just about recovered off the front across the room. When, uh, <laughs> Cameron Jerome mugs off Steve. Mo- not St- is it Steve Morrison. No, was that? that's the other Sean one. Sean Morrison. Sean Morrison. That's it. I really should know. <laughs> Steve <laughs> Morrison was that well-old striker. Oh yeah, he just get, he gets Millwall. Who gets goals for Millwall? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah fr- middle of a game, football manager just threw my laptop across the room. I just, it was just weird last night that every single goal was just a really bad defensive mistake. Well, we'll come more on to Derby's amazing 3-1 victory uh, over Cardiff last night. Uh, we normally start the show with some three-word reviews. We didn't ask for any three-word reviews last night, but... We got one. We got one. What came in, Jack? Samuel Hillier at Mini Hillier with a three-word review, Sheeps got rammed, which I did enjoy as just a you know random comment out of nowhere. Well, on tonight's show, we're going to be discussing everything uh, and all the implications from Derby's 3-1 victory over Cardiff, uh, which takes us to within a point of the Welsh side with just two games remaining. It is squeaky bum time, uh, to say the least. We'll also be previewing the Sunderland match ourselves. We'll also be speaking to Roka Report, uh, the Sunderland podcast, uh, about this Friday's game. And uh, I had a little chat earlier with Chris from Steve Bloomer's Washing, which you may remember uh, is a derby podcast uh, to get the load down. How could we forget? Yeah, I know. The the most memorable podcast name of all time uh, for a little bit of a lowdown of what went on at Pride Park last night. Just to say this season, Fulhamish is backed by Labrooks for exclusive specials and promotions. Head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. Well, Jack, uh, let's come on to Derby versus Cardiff first. How big is that result? Are Fulham... Are Fulham in the driving seat yet? No, of course they're not. They're a point behind with two games to but play. But momentum's our way. Yeah, it is. Uh, I don't think that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to put a down on it. I'm. I was as happy as anyone about last night. It's the Cardiff still have to slip up. Yeah, they've got to go to a really tricky fixture in Hull, and we've got to win both games. And if we win both games, I think that you know, there's. It's, it's very, very plausible now that we will get automatic promotion. But we're not in the driving seat. In that, if Cardiff just win both, is you know, there's nothing we can do about it. And there's a lot of there was a lot of things on on Twitter, especially last night, about the making the drop points against Brentford and and QPR seem even more painful in, in the light of it. We'd be a point away from the Premier but, League. But the thing is, with that, is then you got to look at us at Barnsley, yeah, yeah, yeah. us no, at Middlesbrough, I, I, I agree us at with Preston. You. I, just, I, just I mean, mean it's, that... it's like 
basically swings and roundabouts. Yeah, I know, and I roundabouts. Know. Yeah, I think everyone will, will look at Sunderland away, we'll look at Burton away, and we'll look at the two home games against QPR and Brentford. But I think it's just yeah, swings and roundabouts. I mean, we got we've had so many late winners this season away from home that it's sort of a bit of both. Really, like the league table justifies how you've played throughout forty six games. There's no two ways about it, really. Yeah. I mean, it is annoying that we can't seem to play well for all twenty three of them. Yeah, tw- only twenty three of them. I mean. If, if if we play like this for the whole season, or if, even if we didn't have Craig Klein at the beginning of the season and we had a transfer window like we did in January at the start of the season, yes, we probably wouldn't have got Mitrovic and most likely probably wouldn't have got Matt Target. But I don't know. It's just, we are well. Cameron Jerome. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, as you saw last night, he gets goals. You can Loves see why goals. Slav wanted the big boy. Well, I mean, I'm Team Jerome after last night. Tom, uh, you were on Fulhamish Twitter duty last night. And safe to say... It was one of the most enjoyable Twitter feeds I've I've ever seen. Um, you were going absolutely mental. When Cardiff went 1-0 up last night, did you foresee for any second what happened in the end? No, because I, 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 I looked at Derby's form. They're on a horrific run of form. Like they do, this sort of happens every single season when Derby and Championship. They do really, really well first six months and then after that nothing happens I wasn't expecting much I mean I was more just shouting at Marcus Olsen on my TV like what are you doing I know it's a great finish by Patterson right it is a good finish but what is Marcus Olsen actually doing why is he going to the ball when the centre-back's really there to, and leave his man Patterson, who scored quite a few goals this season? Going towards Gary Medine, I think it was, who hasn't scored a goal in, what, 11 games now. I just didn't understand it. I was, I was just frustrated. But, you know, I think it didn't annoy me quite as much as all the Cardiff fans in fancy dressing the away end. Like, seriously, there are some hard drives that need to be checked because uh, just, look, just look at the state. You're like a grown man and you've, you've brought like an ice shovel to Pride Park. <laughs> I, I like, you, you, I like you, the idea. You can't idea. wait to see what I'm wearing at Birmingham yeah, away. I like the idea. It's just the execution was so poor. It was the just, snowman one with the orange nose was the, was the funniest There's one. an amazing picture. I highlighted it. And then... In the picture, obviously, your man who's in the full snowman regalia is, you know, fantastic, and he just needs to, you know, leave. But there's obviously his like wife or his sister or something next to him, and she's just got like just half a hat, and it's like she sat down and she looks so upset, and it's just like one of those where you know he's just made her wear that. It's just like what are you doing? Please give the also, poor girl the worst a break. She's just going. I don't want to wear this. Wear it. I don't. I really. I really uh, You're not coming unless you wear the hat. Also, the picture outside the ground with with this the snow shovels. That's not the worst thing about it. There's a guy wearing purple chinos. <laughs> we the, get grief for that kind I'm of so, stuff. That is not acceptable in any walk of life you didn't want to know me at uni then um i mean we've got a little bit we've got a little bit of luck here jack this game uh was supposed to be played uh about a month or so ago and was called off due to the snow there is no way cardiff would have lost this game a few months ago derby in freefall and cardiff were cruising past teams at that time i mean this is a bit of luck that's fallen fulham's way and it just gives you that feeling of Little moments are do seem to be falling in our favour, and there's lots more little moments that have to fall our way um, if we are to get promotion at St Andrews in around ten days' time. But still, this is a massive stroke of luck. Yeah, of course. But you know, you say that about Derby being in free fall and 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 Cardiff winning winning games. I mean, nothing's massively changed in that respect. Derby have still been awful. They lost to Burton Albion at the weekend. And and Cardiff, you know, yeah, they scraped past Nottingham Forest, but nonetheless, they got the result they needed. They beat Norwich, you know, the week before, where, 
you know, they had none of the ball, had two shots on goal, one two nil, you know, had 16 shots against them and still managed to win. It is one of those games that I think the occasion has helped us in terms of how it panned out. If that game had been cancelled and Cardiff had just shut up about it and just got on with it, then I just don't know if last night would have happened because it's almost like they got in their own heads. And I said it, you know, before the game, I said it and I said it afterwards. The Cardiff have been defensively solid this season and they've made three Sunday league errors, to quote Neil Warnock there, to, to gift Derby three goals. And... You know, I can't see that being anything but mental in terms of how how the game, you know, progressed. One thing that was really interesting was Richard Keogh was everywhere. Like, out of nowhere, Richard Keogh was running down the wing. Richard Keogh was, like, taking corners. Like, it was like, I've never seen anything quite like it. It was like a man possessed. And, you know, there's, there can only be one reason, surely, for that man being so possessed last night. I thought that last night as well was a bit of a win-win. Uh, the fact that obviously it means that we're nice and close to Cardiff, but it also stops the possibility of a Brent. Uh, well, definitely lessens the possibility of a Brentford playoff semi-final. Which before last night, I was really, really, really worried about. Oh yeah, if we're gonna have anyone in the playoffs, that's the last team I want in Brentford. Exactly. Like, I mean, there's not many teams you want to play in the playoffs because they're all good teams. But yeah. you would take, you would take, would taken Derby County. You would have taken Millwall definitely over Brentford because our record against them in the league is just genuinely awful. And I mean, and then obviously if we didn't get second, we'd be on a down. And the last team we want to play is Brentford, who's just got into the playoffs, who are going to be on the up. And and also. Brentford, for me, a team with absolutely nothing to lose. Didn't expect to be there. Even like Millwall, half expected to maybe make the playoffs. But Brentford haven't even been in contention all season. And if they would have just snuck in um, at the last, they'd have been like, well, this is a free ticket. And a cup final against Fulham. This is, this is, this is the, that would be the absolute pinnacle for them. I just thought it would be. But now it's looking pretty unlikely. Yeah, because they need Derby and Mill to both split up. I mean, Derby like, slipping up is going to be quite not that hard because teams do it all the time They're, most likely they probably won't win on the weekend being Derby but the thing is Mill Mill have got tough two last two games who is it they got it's Villa Borough and Villa yeah Borough and Villa and obviously Borough are going to want to confirm their place in the playoffs yeah I uh, think they'll struggle against Borough yeah, but I think if they need a win against Villa on the yeah. last day Villa are all but fourth oh yeah pr- pretty much and obviously they're not even totally out of the second place altogether in, in Villa's case don't Oh, no, no, no. Surely Villa are out the... Uh, no, but Villa got this. Yeah, Villa are confirmed. No, Villa have got Derby this weekend. Yeah, yeah so Villa have Derby and then... I was just going to say, they're not confirmed out of the top two race. They're only like four points behind. Yeah, yeah they'd, they'd, need, be a monumental they'd need Fulham. Swing. Yeah, but I think, no, they're five points behind Cardiff, aren't they? And four points behind us. Possibly. I might be four and three. But they need both Cardiff and Fulham to slip up unbelievably. I know, they, they, they do, and I don't. I expect them to finish fourth, but... I mean, the, the thing is with Cardiff, it's, it wasn't a, it's not actually a huge surprise they lost to Dart because every time they've played a good team recently, the likes of Villa, the likes of Wolves, they have lost. And Hull, to be fair, are one of the form teams in the league. At home, they just seem to score goals for fun. Albeit on the weekend, they also conceded five, as well as scoring five. But it's a very, very tough game. Like when going into these two games, I was like, they're more likely to drop points at, at Hull, Hull than they are at Derby, Derby. because... A hole are going to go at them and going to want to score goals, especially is it Wilson on loan from Liverpool? Yeah, he's playing really, really well. At the he's moment. got something like in eleven appearances, he's got seven goals and four. No, he scored again at the weekend. Then he nine goals now and five assists in twelve appearances or something like that, which is 
absolutely ludicrous. So when you get that unreal player on loan in January on Football Manager, and he just bags twenty goals There's, in fifteen games. Well, I mean, their There's recent results. Their recent results are incredible. So they drew five five with Bristol City on Saturday, um, lost to Sheffield Wednesday at home. Um, the week before. Saying that, Sheffield Wednesday are on a really good run of form at the moment. I think they've won like seven of their last ten games. Well, I think our game like is the only real slip-up. Yeah, that, that game I think is anyone they've lost in the last like fair few games. And they smashed Burton 5-0 at the Pirelli. I mean, um, pretty much everyone goes and wins at the Pirelli apart from Fulham. Um, Sunderland. <laughs> and so, well, yeah. And then they beat QPR 4-0 at home a few weeks ago. So they're definitely free scoring. And they even drew two all with Wolves the other week and this is when Wolves you know hadn't won the title and it wasn't all wrapped up so I'd like to think there is a real chance they can do us a favour and all we need from Hull is a draw don't yeah, we don't need Hull even, to win let's say if Hull actually beat Cardiff there's a high possibility we only need a draw at Birmingham because we'd be th- we'd be three points in the lead we'd be two points in the lead and a point at Birmingham it's just it's, it's wow really I hadn't even considered that so if we beat Sunderland and then Hull beat Cardiff. We don't need a point to go up. Whoa. Um, There's something worth thinking about is that Hull are the top scorers in the division since April started. They've got something like 21 goals in April, Um, which is nuts. It's crazy. And it's just just weird. I mean, we always knew we would be close to Cardiff, but it's just it's just not falling into our hands because it's just not in our hands. No. They, they are at one point ahead of us. <laughs> and it has never been. There hasn't been a point yet where no, it's been like, in our hands. A lot of Brent fans and QPR fans would probably say if we didn't get top two, we'd bottled it. I was like, we haven't bottled anything. We were never we never had it in our hands. I mean, arguably they'd say, oh yeah, but if you won against us, blah, 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 you would have gone up. But yeah, it's, it's always been in Cardiff hands and they've been there ever since the start of the season. I mean, they were in the top six when we played them when we drew 1-1 at Craven Cottage. When Cessna scored, then they went up the other end and scored when we kept conceding last minute sort of equalisers at home. But you know, they've been up there all season. I mean, when we played them on Boxing Day, we just tore them to pieces, 1-4-2 or 4-3, wherever it was. And yeah, I think it's good. it's been major bottling from Cardiff, considering they've always been up there and we were 17th, 15th when we lost to Sunderland. And Cardiff, and it's one of, been one of those things where... I don't think Cardiff would do well in the playoffs if they dropped into him. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, Mike Gregg, uh, just a few hours before we recorded this, put up a brilliant graph on his Twitter, 1966 MJG, uh, the points differential chart uh, between Cardiff and and Fulham this season. And there's a point where we are around, I think, 18 points behind Cardiff, and that's around halfway through the season after match week 22. Weirdly, though, the thing is with us and Cardiff, that gap actually dropped to around two or three before then extending to eight or ten uh, in, in around March, April time. And then since then, we've really, really struggled to chip away at that because Cardiff lost, I think, four or five games in a row at the, be- at the beginning of the year. I just, I really think there is a possibility we can do it, but I, I fully believe uh, it's in Cardiff's hands. However, are we being a little bit complacent about Sunderland on Friday. I think so. It's one of those. Obviously, you say we said it going into the away game. Oh, it's Chris Coleman. He'll get one over us. And also, once a team's been relegated, they've got nothing to lose. Really, they're not fighting for their lives anymore. They can just play the football they want to play. And it. I mean, it's not like they have like their players are awful. They've got some very good players. And I mean, I've obviously you saw the game away to Derby when they put three or four past them. So they've got the ability to score goals away from home. But you'd expect F- Fulham to be up for it. We've been on this unbeaten run, and 
although it would be as as the podcast is named Fulhamish to to drop points against Sunderland I think the, the player is going to be so up for it because the great thing is obviously I, I said this a couple of weeks ago but on, uh, we've put, we're playing on Friday nights which is always a good thing for us because we saw in the Brentford game that what Cardiff had already won and that's putting pressure on the players whereas although Cardiff did drop points and the players need to win if we just get our win out of the way then we're leaving it to, then all the pressure's going then across to Cardiff I think the thing with Sunderland though is it, that that factor of them having no pressure on them anymore I am a little bit worried and and we saw it at the cottage a few years ago when a already relegated Reading uh, came to town had been absolutely terrible that season uh, and literally the weekend after being relegated I think they came in one four two and the fact yeah. that it was four two makes it sound like it was a closer game than it was I think Reading at one point were four one up and I think we maybe got a late consolation for the second they absolutely... I feel like Brian Reece scored two in that game I think you're right it the difference is that we didn't have anything to play for at that point. Like, that's a massive factor. Yes, I completely agree with you. Look, the best example you can give is uh, the one where Tottenham, the, the year that Tottenham, Leicester won the league and Tottenham were second and they went and lost 5-0 to an already relegated Newcastle United, which allowed Arsenal to finish above them. So they still had something to play for and they still managed to cock it up royally. But I just don't think, it's not like it's the last day of the season and... You know, bear in mind Tottenham had yes, they would have been the love to finish above Arsenal, but they'd guaranteed a Champions League spot. Like, you've got to think that if the players can't get up and motivated for this, then what can they get up and motivated for? But I think we've said this a lot of times. If I think if we can get our first goal against Sunderland, yeah. I think we will be fine. <laughs> I guess the danger is if they do get one in front and, and we struggle to break them down in December. A lot has changed. Um since then well yeah we were playing Stephanie Hansen at false nine in actually. <laughs> we didn't have a striker we especially didn't have a striker who loves scoring against Sunderland but Sunderland have scored in all of their last six games that's fine so Relax. there's there's a goal threat there yeah of course there's a goal threat it's, you know I mean the thing is that any team can score a goal on their day look at you know, look at Derby last night. Hadn't scored. You know, had been struggling for goals. Left, right, and yeah, centre, and managed to bang in three against Cardiff, who have the best defence in the division. Yeah, look at like the Nottingham Forest. who hadn't scored in like five, six games. They've now got four in their last two. It, it's. I'm not. I'm not saying at all that it's impossible for the for Sunderland score. And there's absolutely no way that should be that anyone should be taking this easily. Like what I'm saying is that if Fulham can't find a way to break down, you know, already relegated Sunderland tomorrow, then you well, know, we don't deserve automatic promotion. Precisely. Um, what are the danger points for Sunderland, really? I know it sounds ridiculous given the terrible, terrible season they've had, but I mean, Paddy McNair over the last few weeks seems to be one, of the, few, one of the few players that's come out of this abysmal run uh, for the Mackhams with some sort of credit. Yeah, I mean, he scored, obviously, in that game against Burton. And you know what? Sunderland have had some games which haven't been you know absolutely awful they got a point away at Leeds they got a point at home to Norwich and they probably should have won that game to be honest um, but you know these are games that you know it's, it's kind of one of those ones where you're, you're, they seem to have things to play for and the only people that you know, by all accounts that Sunderland fans seem to rate are the likes of like George Honeyman who came through their academy who they who they think is a really good player he scored obviously in that Norwich game um, and, and you know apart from that Paddy McNair has been getting the goals so yeah obviously it's all a bit a bit strange and obviously they can McNair can hit them from distance but realistically what you expect for them to do is control 80% of possession and yes it, we can be hit by sucker punches and yes there are players in there that can put the ball in the back of the net but ultimately you know surely if anything, 
this is the game where we just absolutely control tempo, possession, everything, and we look to put them to yeah, the sword. There's absolutely no reason it can't be another Burton Albion at home. There's absolutely no reason. And I think playing on a Friday night, as I mentioned before, does help. It really does help. Because then you're not worrying about something else. You're literally just focused on this game. Or let's say if it's a Saturday 5.30, it'd be a lot, be a lot harder this game if it was 5.30 Saturday than it was Friday 9, uh, 7.45. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, though, uh, we can do the business against Sunderland uh, and make sure we set ourselves up for a final day showdown against Birmingham City. We've all got our tickets. Of course. Indeed. Also, I'm going to say something about this, right? Yeah, let's do it. Right, so it sold out this morning, obviously, because now promotion's very, very much on. Why are fans complaining that they haven't got a ticket? It's been on sale for 10 days. I think the majority of people complaining are people that don't have the right amount of points. But But that's the point system. It's not about this game. There's no fairer way than the loyalty point system. I know I'm saying this because I've got like near enough a thousand. There's a few few exceptions to it that I do feel a bit sorry for. Uh, One of them is quite a lot of people who go to a lot of away games because they live up north but they don't really get many loyalty okay, wh- points because one, they... One issue with, with the whole loyalty point system is that I think it shouldn't just be 700 or whatever, how many points plus scenes holders. It should be scenes holders and members because not every... Yes, you say, if they're up north, they won't be a scenes holder. But but there's there's certain people who are members who will have 300, 400 loyalty points. Mm. Let's say they've moved up north after having scenes again. But realistically... <laughs> If you'd been to enough games in the last few seasons, if you've had a scene to get for the last few seasons... You'd have been over 100. Exactly. Like my, my dad, right, he goes to one away game a season, if that, and that's the one I make him drive to on Boxing Day. He had near enough 700 loyalty points. Yeah. My auntie doesn't go to away games. She's had a scene to get not only since maybe 2012, 20, 2013, around then. She had over 500. So it's not exactly hard to accumulate these points. And the fans who are going are the fans who've been to pretty much most of the games in the last few seasons. Yeah, I think one of the things was obviously people who are, are going to games less regularly and the people that kind of went to like Burton Albion, say, who were complaining that they went to Burton Albion but can't get a ticket for Birmingham. And that's the only kind of... Okay, and another, th- another thing is obviously fans, a lot of fans maybe buy their ticket on the day, but then that's your fault. Yeah, just buy them in a head. Like, it's just not, not that difficult. You can pick them up on the day still, surely. Yeah, if you, you could call them ticket office up the night before, you'd probably still get the loyalty points because they'll put it through well, your account. Is, it went down to 100-plus yeah. loyalty points, which really isn't that many. My dad had over 100-plus loyalty points, and he's never been to an away game. Yeah, but he does a season ticket holder, right? Yeah, I know, but still, only a season ticket holder for for a couple of years. All I'm saying is I don't think getting over 100-plus is... It's is... not unfeasible, Um for that I think what happened was that a lot of people waited until after the game last night to try and buy them and then got caught short and that's so not your fault for waiting really I mean well, it's you... a ga- look, look, I think the, the, the truth of it is it's a gamble and you took a gamble and sometimes they then pay off and sometimes they don't and, and, and that's well, the let, truth yeah, but, okay, let's say we lose to Sunderland and yeah. Cardiff beat Hull it's going to be the same thing last season with Sheffield Wednesday where people are like, oh it doesn't matter anymore I'm handing my ticket but I'm just like why you still not go to the game? Yeah, it'll be a laugh. Why? Does, why? Because there's nothing to play for. Does that change your opinion on wanting to go to the game? Yeah, it's true, it, and that is that's the thing. That was that was frustrating last year. I understand. Also, the only thing that last year that's even easier this year is that it's, you can get a train in the morning. Yeah, you don't. Exactly. Last year you had to. We had to yeah, do last, that ridiculous last thing where we had to Doncaster fast. and get a taxi, but. This year, you can just get a train yeah, up in the like, morning. There's like two, three, four, five trains. Yeah, there's four or five, yeah. Well, let's stick to Sunderland for now and focus on Friday's game. Uh, we spoke to Tom uh, from Roker Reports, uh, a Sunderland podcast, a very, very good Sunderland podcast, uh, about what we can expect from the already relegated side. 
All right, well, I'm joined on the line uh, by Tom from Roker Report, a Sunderland podcast. How are you doing, Tom? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? Very good, thank you. Now, Tom, obviously been a bit of a difficult week uh, to be a Sunderland fan. Uh, I think that is probably the understatement of the year. What challenge really is left in Sunderland for the rest of the season? Is there a case that some players and maybe your manager uh, are playing for their future? Um, I don't care if any of the players are playing for the future because I'd rather see them all go. Um, The manager, maybe to galvanise them for a little bit, show them they've uh, got any form of fight in them. But nah, they've got nothing. We've got nothing to play for now. What is your opinion on Chris Coleman? He obviously started his managerial career with Fulham, uh, then went yeah. on you know, to manage in Spain and manage for Wales. He had plenty of time to save Sunderland. He seems a little bit blameless in this whole episode. And I know the, the problems at Sunderland are far deeper rooted than Chris Coleman, but surely he has to hold his hands up and take his part of blame for, for what has gone on up there. Well, in fairness to him, he has. Like um, after we got relegated on Saturday, he, he said he he was first to say that his own performance has not been good enough. And in the past the past um, few weeks, when we've been picking up points, um, we've been dropping, we've been picking up points, but they've also been like leading in games and then dropping. And that again, that comes down that comes down to the manager and the players on the pitch. But as you said, he's been dealt one of the roughest hands in football. So yeah, he is. He's not totally free from blame but he's the least of our concerns at the moment is there anyone in that squad you know worth their salt to, to you know to the Sunderland fan base you know there's been a little bit of chat about you know George Honeyman and Paddy McNair seem to do a little bit you know of late but is there any sort of players that you need to you would like to see held on to at this rate uh, well yeah you're right um, Honeyman is a local lad and he's clearly passionate about playing for Sunderland and ideally you want him to stay um if he is going to stay, that's a different issue. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday have been sniffing around, apparently. Same with Paddy McNair. He's been one of the rare bright spots in this in the past like two months or so, but he's not been able to stay fit for very long, and he plays one game, then he's out, and then he plays another game, he's out. Um, elsewhere, there's the young lads, uh, Joel Osora and Josh Madger. Ideally, want to keep on uh, hold on to them too. But it all depends on what happens in the summer, whether our financial situation gets even worse yeah. if we go into administration or if a white knight comes riding in on his steed to save us. Can you really see any fight being showed from your players on Friday night or you expect to get any, or can you see yourself and Sunderland pretty much just getting steamrolled? Um, well, it'd be very it'd be very typical Sunderland if we turn up and beat you. Yeah. Um, we did it when when the chips are down. Like it doesn't when there's no pressure on, and they might be you know have a sense of freedom about it. We've seen that early in the season where we've turned up to Derby. No one thought we were going to do anything, and we absolutely wallop them. So I, we could we could pose a threat, but I I imagine I imagine Fulham will, Fulham should win. So have fun with that. <laughs> and your win against us back in December, it was. You know, much, it was much talked about because it was your first win at the Stadium of Light in 2017. And that was probably the nadir of Fulham's season, the, the, the real low point uh, for us. And I think we all thought we might not, we, we thought playoffs was, were long gone and we even thought we might get dragged into a relegation battle. At that moment, did you really think there was a glimmer of hope for Sunderland? Because it was a good, it was a good win. 
Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, there was a glimmer of hope there, and we'd had off the back of that, we'd had a positive result away at um, away at Wolves. We got a nil-nil draw with ten men, and I thought that was the point where Coleman's like stamp on the team was finally um, coming to the fore. We'd he'd had about uh, five weeks by that point, so about five or six games, and slowly there was a bit of improvement. And well, I think we we had to beat someone at home. It just happened to be you the day before, the day before we got that lovely record. Um, but since since the turn of the year, it's just been abysmal. So yeah, we we are where we are, and we deserve to be where we are. And the fans will still turn up on Friday, presumably. I mean, that's not helped. I guess that being moved to uh, Friday night at very very short notice by Sky as well to kind of rub salt into the wounds. But I imagine that's the one thing with Sunderland is that. No matter what's going on on the pitch, there still will be plenty of fans uh, making that long trip down to London. Yeah, we'll be there. Um, it's, a, it's a popular away trip for them, and it's the last one, and it's very nice. It's a nice part of London. It's a nice place to go out drinking or whatever. The only the only shame of it is, A, it's on a Friday night, and B, it's £35 a ticket. Yeah, we've uh, had plenty of discussion uh, about Fulham's ticket <laughs> prices this season. What do you think can happen next year in League One. I mean, you've seen teams go down to that division, the likes of Wolves, likes of Southampton, likes of Norwich, uh, come back up and be uh, very, very strong in the Championship and sometimes even get promotion to the Premier League. Do you think Sunderland, if they rebuild, you look at a team like Blackburn this season as well, do you think that Sunderland mm-hmm. can go to League One and become a stronger club for it? Um, I sincerely hope so because it's it surely can't get any worse than the past two years now. Uh, we just we do need this takeover, and we look at I look to Blackburn as a as a prime example. They've got an ownership they don't like um, that's not been very helpful to them and sent them down to the doldrums. But they've rebuilt. They've they've given they've given the manager some um, some time and backed in as well. And you keep you keep the core of players like Honeyman, McNair, um, Isoro, Madger, and then actually we've got nobody in the centre half or defence that I'd want to keep. And you just just pray that we hit the ground running next year and and it's and we start to, you know, improve. And once that does improve and whoever it is that helps us get out of this situation being lauded as a hero and wayside for the rest of eternity, we can bring us back. Um, LR, Leicester or Wolves or whatever, Southampton even. Well, um, Tom, thank you very much for speaking to us. Uh, hope you at least enjoy the day out uh, on Friday down <laughs> at the cottage. Uh, and hopefully you don't put up too much of a fight uh, from a Fulham perspective. Tom, thank you for talking to us. Good luck no next problem. year, mate. Take care. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, thank you very much to Tom from Roker Report. Um, it's not a pretty time to be a Sunderland fan and uh, fair play for still having the energy to come on the phone and chat to a podcast, to be perfectly honest, because I'm not sure uh, if the tables were turned wherever I would have the... Uh, well, it sounds it sounds a bit defeatist. but It's look- rough. It's rough up, at, up in Wearside at the moment and, you know, good luck to them as far as I'm concerned. They've been absolutely ravaged as a club by, you know, an ownership that hasn't put, you know, money where the mouth is and has been extremely wasteful, especially you know, in terms of player wages and those kind of things. And, you know, it's come back to bite them eventually and and hopefully they can go down and someone can sort things out over there and they can rebuild. I think it's a tough thing with the Premier League because quite often before 
clubs go down. And I think you're seeing it with clubs like Stoke this season. So Stoke have been progressively worse and worse for years, really, haven't they? They've spent maybe three, four years in decline, losing a lot more games than they've won. And then this season, finally, the axe has fallen on them. And then you try and come into the championship. and You can argue the same with us. Really. Well, this is what I'm trying to say. A lot of... Uh, I think with some, someone said that with Sunderland's relegation, uh, the chances of going... If you've been in the Premier League and you get relegated, the chance of going down to League One is now more than 50%. Yeah, it is. Not, yeah. like, not in your first season, obviously. No, no but, but I'm saying with with a team like Stoke, with a team like us, with a team like Sunderland, you're more likely to go down you are to go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so hard when you've kind of got a bit of a losing mentality within your club, an expectation that you're going to turn up week after week and all right what's this ground oh we're gonna get battered and to turn that that ship that massive ship around and to make it into a winning force is really really difficult and when you look at teams like Newcastle for instance who have come down to the championship both times and stormed the league that's actually a hell of an achievement to be able to do that of course but Newcastle have the financial clout and the kind of reputation as a club to be able to hold on to players in the championship if you look at Look at Matt Ritchie, right? He was playing Premier League football with Bournemouth and got convinced to drop a division to join Newcastle because of the size of the club and the amount they were willing to pay him, even as a championship side. And that's the difference. Because when you when you look at Sunderland and the kind of... You know, as soon as they came out of the Premier League, they were in all sorts of financial trouble because, they, and because they've been hemorrhaging money for, for years. And every year they survived in the Premier League was kind of like a stay of execution. Mm. So when the axe finally fell, it got worse and worse and worse because all they were doing was just like bouncing back up and suddenly that money was gone. Just look at Darren Gibson. Being paid wages that they're not even, you know, they're not even seeing on the pitch. And that is just not any way to run a football club and Ellis Short has driven that club into the ground but a double dip we're, we're talking about real high times for Fulham right now but a double dip so so easily could have happened and when oh, Lee yeah. Tomlin scored that goal for Bristol City uh, in our second season in the championship I thought we were down. that was it I don't know how we managed we won a, a really weird game after that I can't remember what it well, was well we went up to Preston and won I yeah, think I think yeah might biggest shithouse win ever pretty much <laughs> like what was it I think like the time wasting was for I think Dembele scored McCormack scored in like the first five minutes from a like a sloppy back pass yeah and then Dembele like scored the winner and I think that when I was the six months I'm, I was away that was the only game I was like oh I wish I was there mm. the rest of them I was like I, I really didn't care that's why those wins some like say that Preston away win that probably would feel uh, that would probably felt as good as the Newcastle away win last season the Huddersfield 2-0 in the first season we came down that's one of my favourite away games ever Yeah, just because the season was so bad but then that was just like an massive amazing high, yeah. yeah massive high so those actually those away wins like, if you talk to Sunderland fans Derby away is probably like better than a, 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 one of the best games they've probably been to in the last four, four or five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's get on to some questions as we've had a yeah. few coming in uh, today. What is. You rattle through them. There's what a is in amounts. the mailbox? Okay, I'm just going to kind of work through everything. So this is from Bradley at Cyrus Christeth22. Nice little bit of support for the, the boy Cyrus there. By the way, he is. Um, if you haven't seen some of the stuff that's been posted on Twitter, um, it's absolutely shocking. Absolutely yeah. shocking. So, um, a lot of stay strong, Kyle Cyrus. Yeah, a lot of, and then there's a lot of calls for for some solidarity and chance being been sung for Cyrus on on Friday. So I'm sure we'll hear more about that in the in the long run. But yeah, absolutely abhorrent. Um, this question is just: if we don't get automatic, who's the dream to play in the playoffs, Dom? Uh, out of the teams who look like they're going to be there, I'm going to say Derby. Like I think I said a few weeks ago, Sheffield United, but. I- can't see him getting it so out of the teams who are in and around there now I've got, I'm have got. i going to say Derby County yeah I'd be 
Plus not Derby ple- gives you a night out in Sheffield. So. <laughs> I'd be not pleased. Uh, uh, pleased is maybe not the wrong word, but I think Derby is the best of a bad bunch. I just think Brentford and Millwall uh, would both See, be I'd a reckon, bit of I'd, I'd reckon our chances against Millwall. I'd fancy our chances against Millwall as well. Derby, I agree with Derby, would be probably my first pick of, you know, if we had to do it, that would be the one. But it's just really strange, isn't it? Like, it, you, you're trying to pick someone to play and they're all teams that have finished top six. So, you know, Derby it's, it's, the nightmare for me no, is Middlesbrough, though. If somehow, like, Derby will get a good win, a, a good, good run of wins. Yeah, and somehow, we haven't beaten them this season. And Who? Oh, Middlesbrough, which we did. Oh, yeah, it was the best away game of the season. <laughs> what are we talking about? No, but I mean, but I mean like, convi- we didn't play against them convincingly yeah, in no, the game. No, no. And oh, also, that really style will just not suit up playing against us at yeah, all. Yeah. So We just need Callas to wrestle their players to the floor again, yeah. and then it'll be fine. Okay, let's move that one on. Um, Scott Allen at Scottyboy101 says, from teams coming down from the Premier League, which players would you consider for our squad? Presumably if we go up. Yeah, yeah let's but, assume... But I want to start on this point, actually. Not with Say Southampton come down, I reckon that would be it's, it'll be harder to get yeah, Matt we, Target. we talked about this last I week. I know, but it's, it will be harder to get Matt Target if they come down. I think the fee they require will be more because he's they can see he's a championship player and they're going to want him. Obviously, Bertrand's going to go, so they'll, he'll pretty much be their only decent left-back left. But, yeah, look at the players who are coming down. We want you want players who suit the system, and you can you can see working under Slav. Obviously, you can look at Stoke and say their best players, Jordan Shakiri, but there's no way he would work under Slavisa. No, not at all. I uh, mean, I would take probably a Jack Butland or something from Stoke. Yeah, but there's no way he'd join okay, us. Again, it's probably he, too he, much. I reckon he's going to go to a team like Arsenal or something because Czech's clearly finished. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they if Arsenal went for him. If we if we look at wouldn't mind Ramadan Sobi. Yeah, if we're looking at if we're looking at West Brom, I wouldn't mind Hagazi. The defender, I, th- I think he's, yeah. he's a, he's a he's very good player. He's just a bit of a lump. Yeah, um, but we we are going to need to strengthen in defence. Obviously, James McLean. No, um. he is not coming to my club <laughs> ever. Obviously, I'd like James McLean to be. To no, be he's not joining our club. Oh, if we're looking at West Brom, Jay Rodriguez. Big, yeah, good player. He's versatile playing player. Why pay through the middle? I, I was thinking about Solomon Rondon. If we wouldn't, if we weren't able to sign Mitrovic, Rondon's a, a hold-up player who has you know decent feet for a lad of his size and is also a threat in the air. And I don't think he'd be that different a player to Mitrovic. No. He's not. He's not brilliant in so front think of goal. But I've often liked Rondon. Yeah, if you're going to get Mitrovic on a permanent deal, it's going to be at least twenty million. I think. Yeah, that's one Newcastle. An amazing twenty million though, if you do, if you. Oh, can exactly. Get. Yeah. Um, I think that's a. I think it's probably if we, you know if you assume the other team coming down to Southampton, you know because um, what is quite James Ward Prowse yeah, in our midfield would be nice. But when there's like what well, Butland and James Ward Prowse is it's actually going to be interesting when they go down because I don't think they're going to stay up. Who those two players go to? Joe Allen. I feel like Joe Allen would do a job in midfield. Yeah, he would. I just, I just... He'd add a bit of now. Hoiberg was brilliant. Hoiberg is brilliant, yeah. but he's too he's too good playing for us. I reckon he'll go. I reckon project. he'll go back to the Bundesliga. Yeah, I agree. He's he's a he's a top. I can see player. him going to. A, yeah, I can see him going to Schalke to replace Leon Goretzka or something yeah. like that. But don't the, forget the don't forget the pull of you know a Premier League Fulham team under Slavisa Kanovic living in London. Yeah, you you, you can't sometimes underestimate yeah, that appeal. You'd want like Mario Lamina, wouldn't you? Like, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't up. see the. Oh, you wouldn't say the likes of Butler and James or Prowse should have gone to Watford when they came up. I wouldn't. Yeah, no. So I why think, would they come to us? I don't think so. I, I while I agree with your sentiments, I think that there, there's for players like Butland who really should be playing top six. You look at his kind of his save ratio. Yes, he's conceded loads of goals this season, but his like saves to goals conceded ratio is absolutely obscene. Yeah, compare it to the likes of Joe Hart. Yeah, and he's played really well I, in I a really like Joe poor, Hart's conceded more goals as well. He's played really well in a really poor Stoke team, mm. and, and that's saying something. And I think that 
you know, when you look at that in, in context, you think that Butland with a genuinely good defence in front of him could do a real, Plus real Butland's, job. Plus Butland's, I'm going to say, at least 20 mil. Yeah, he's English, isn't he? Yes, James Will Prowse is at least 30. All right, cool. Um, that was That's a, a good question. We could probably devote a podcast in that to itself. So uh, we'll, we'll move on. But thank you, Scott. Um, from Colm Bugler, or Bugler, I always get this wrong, and I'm really sorry, Colm. Um, I, I'm going to say Bugler. Um, if we get the automatic spot, would you want Cardiff to win the playoffs, considering the position they've been in most of the season? Don't I, I think I know what no, you're going to say. Absolutely. Right, I'll give, I'll, give you, I'll give you the first reason. They're Welsh, so they shouldn't be playing in the Premier League. I don't like. I don't like Neil Warnock. Don't want him in the Premier League. If I want any team to win the playoffs, I mean, obviously it has to be Millwall. I'm sorry. Would you not want Pep Guardiola's Man City going to the Den on like a Monday night or a Tuesday night? Be unbelievable. Sam. Those guys down in the uh, lower tier at Millwall would have a field day uh, with their antics against tippy uh, tappy. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, just, they, I, they got so angry when Tim Cahill did that elbow on Ryan Fredericks. They absolutely exploded. Yeah, no, it was it was really bad. Um, would you? Who would you? Who would you have? Whoa. I don't know. I always had a little bit of a soft spot for Villa. Yeah, I was going to say I Villa. Want, I don't want Villa. I don't want to go to Villa Park next season. I'm sorry. I've never been to Villa Park. I, and I, I really, it. really want to. I, I like it. Villa. Um, I like I the way absolutely it. hate. I like it. Villa's players. I, I think that if if a team that was to go up there wasn't us, I, I would. Like especially it if it is Villa. the current other three, and it's, like, it's Middlesbrough, Derby, and Cardiff. I mean, Villa above that lot all day long. Yeah, but I, I out of all out of all the teams we find, I would want Millwall in the Premier League just because like we don't. We've only been to the Den twice. Villa Park, just it's, I feel like I've been there too many times. Yeah, but Villa are a Premier League club. I, I don't care if they're a Premier League club. I don't uh, want to go to their ground again. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll budge on to actually a question about Villa from at Shredhead FFC. Do Villa have any chance of overhauling us? No. Yes or no's? Well, yes, they do have a chance because it's, it's not mathematically impossible. Yeah, okay. that's not the question. That's not the question, is it? But no, no, I don't. Because <laughs> okay, I can't dude. see us losing And then we need one win. One win and Villa unlikely because of our also they got two harder difference. games than we do yeah our goal difference over them as well okay uh, Alex at Pure Power if you could only sign one of Target or Mitrovic permanently which one would you have Dom that's a great Target. question Target no I think you just have to go Mitrovic I, I don't I think that, I, <laughs> really, I really really do I really really don't because the thing is Mitrovic yes he's been phenomenal since he's come in but there are so many good number nines out there Right when it comes to a left a back, a lot of good left backs. I know there is, but when it's come to a, that, the link up between Cess and Target down that left hand side has been so key yeah. to the way we've played in the second half of the season. I think I'd go for Target. Yes, it'd be great to get injuries, and I don't see any reason why we can't get both. But the question, obviously, who would you, I'd definitely prefer Target because there's definitely more number nines out there who can do the job Mitrovic does. It's not like he's a world beater. We're not going to find the same kind of player. But Cess is a Cess could link up with so many left backs. Yes, I do. But we've seen from the first half of this season how hard it is to replace a uh, left back that works into Slavisa's system. Uh, and the truth is that we found one in Target, and and I think that that is more like we just said, Salomon Rondon, not that different to Mitrovic in terms of what we think he might be able to bring to the team. Yes, obviously I'd rather have Mitrovic. Like let's not beat around the bush, but. In terms of finding a number nine that fits the capabilities of what Mitrovic can do, I think we'd find one quicker than we'd find a left back that has targets, kind of reach and potential. Um, last one is from Joe at Kamara with X's instead of A's. He says, Abubakar Kamara, is he a prospect or will he go this summer? Answer the question this time instead of being mean to him this time. 
Uh, I think you should emphasise that every letter is in capitals. This Joe, this time, Joe, we might this time answer the question. So uh, this time, Don, what do you think? I mean, he's just not very good. I mean, I'm <laughs> oh, not going. Wow, he's not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. He's got he's got that raw power and pace, but when it comes to actual technical ability, there's not much there. I'm not going to lie, but I mean, he's he's a great player to have the bench to just like run at players and like when the player's tired and set up chances and stuff, but. Like if we're in the Premier League, he's got to be off because he's not got. You need a player who's going to be clinical in the Premier League. We're not going to have much of the, as much of the, we, may, we may have much of the ball, but we're not going to have as many chances yeah. as we get in a game now. When you need players who are going to be clinical, and the slides of Mitrovic, we spoke about someone running. They're the type of striker he's going to need. You can tell he doesn't fit in our system the way the way we need a striker to play. So it's nice to have him on the bench, and he's quite funny on Instagram. But apart from that, no, there's not really much talent there. Sam. Um... <laughs> The thing is about Abubakar, I reckon if we hadn't have had Mitrovic and we'd have had Abubakar up front uh, for the rest of the season, we'd be nowhere near where we are now, but I reckon we'd still be in the playoffs. And I still reckon he'd have got a few goals. Look, I don't think he's Premier League level either. I still think if we're in the Championship next season, he could definitely do a job. And he, I reckon he'd learn a lot out of Mitrovic. A lot. And... I think he might be a player that, if we're in the championship, could definitely be a big part to play. Yeah. Not necessarily the big talisman that we'd have to rely on, but our mate, one of our main two strikers, because I think he has a lot of good attributes. And you saw him at Hull; he changed the game. If you went, if we went up, I'd loan him out. Just loan him out for a season, see if he does any bits at all. Well, no, and loan, then... loan him to a, 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 Le- him. a Liga team. I'd loan him to Millwall. No, not even if that. If Millwall stayed I'd like, down, I'd, I'd oh like, my god, they'd, <laughs> they'd love it. I know they would. Then he could just run around at Millwall for a year, and if he banged in 20, 20 25 goals in the championship, then we could have him back in the Premier League the year no, after. But I mean, I'd actually like to see him in Liga, like at a team like Nice, at, at a team like uh, Guangamp, or just just to see how he does it in a top level division. Okay, I mean, I think personally we'd probably. But no, he has prob- got no talent. So. Yeah, probably, probably a prospect, but that doesn't mean he won't go this summer. I think is the the kind of overall consensus. Thank you, Joe, for that for that question. Um, uh, apologies for not answering the question last time and just being mean to Abubakar Kamara, but Dom's done that yeah, again. Yeah, done the job so, for you, um, mate. It's fine. So there we are. Um, I, I think that's probably about it, Samo. Well, we've got uh, a great interview coming up now. Uh, I spoke to Chris uh, from Steve Bloomer's Washing, the best name in the football podcast business. Um, he's a Derby fan. It's a Derby podcast. Uh, I just had a little bit of a chat with him about last night's incredible win over Cardiff. Yeah, it's terrific. Absolutely brilliant. Sort of as unexpected as uh, it was as unexpected as it was you know superb really um, a really magnificent performance uh, sort of similar to a lot of our wins this season and we did ride our luck at times um, and we didn't look great to begin with uh, but the second half response to going one going in one nil down at half time was uh, one of the best second halves we've had all season and Cameron Jerome was what he put himself about. Really, really, uh, you know, stuck two fingers up to his critics, and uh, you know, a much, much needed three points and three goals to put us back in the playoff picture. Well, Cameron Jerome was reportedly a man that Slav wanted to sign in the summer. He was stopped by uh, some of the higher powers at Fulham, uh, we are led to believe. And it's fair to say that the fans weren't terribly impressed. So uh, I think we're uh, all very shocked, uh, but also find it slightly ironic that Cameron Jerome is the man uh, to answer Fulham's prayers. Not going to lie, Chris, I feared the worst when Cardiff went 1-0 up and I really, really didn't see 
what happened coming. You've been on such a poor run of late. Did you see what came in the second half coming? Oh, absolutely not, no. And the amount of fans who said on Twitter afterwards, I did not see that result coming. You know, it was, it was all in my timeline personally. And I mean, it was so surprising for a couple of reasons. I mean, as you say, we were in terrible form. Basically relegation form before this game, really. Only, what, two wins in 13 or something, which has seen us plummet down the table from 2nd in February to, uh, to 7th before that game. And even with that fixture, I'm sure I saw a stat flash up on Sky, on, uh, on Sky during the game, which I watched in the pub myself as, uh, as I'm, as I'm London-based, um, that Cardiff have won every single game where they've been leading at half-time. Um, and we haven't won a game where we've been behind since October. So you're absolutely right. When Patterson smashed in that, that volley at the back post um, in after sort of half an hour or so, uh, the writing did look like it was on the wall. But as I said, you know, the character from the players in the second half, yes, you know, a couple of their goals did come from Cardiff mistakes, but those mistakes were forced by us putting the pressure on in the first place. You know, we forced them into those mistakes. They were a bit uncharacteristic to Cardiff, who have been really solid at the back. But... Yeah, as I said, a magnificent response in the second half and hopefully it gives us a belief to, to kick on for the last two games. Was it karma that it was Sean Morrison at fault for uh, at least one of those uh, Derby goals given his uh, his little video to antagonise some of the Derby fans oh, and players? Oh, wow, yeah. Couldn't have, couldn't have happened to a nicer bloke, could it? I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you never really know how to read into these things. I mean, the, the local paper said that uh, it was uh, it was that horrible word banter that that video probably you know apparently a private WhatsApp video and that Morrison and, and Keo and Alex Pierce and Jason Shackle do know each other but I mean you know that's not how I talk to my mates I don't know about you and it, you know it, it certainly riled up a lot of Derby fans and you know yeah when he um, I'm just recalling the goals now yeah I think it was another player who got who got dispossessed by Wisdom for, for the second goal where it really sort of exploded at Pride Park and that, those scenes looked terrific. And then the third goal when, I don't know what Morrison was doing really, he just he tried to clear the ball and just sort of lost his balance and Cameron Jerome just sort of shoved him out of the way and put it in the bottom corner. So yeah, it was, it was rich, poetic justice. And yeah, seeing the look on Warnock's face as well was, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie, it gave a lot of Derby fans quite a lot of pleasure. They're talking about Mo Salah for the Ballon d'Or, but I think Cameron Jerome is right up there in the nominations for me. Um, <laughs> Dark horse, definitely. Chris, obviously that result last night was huge for Fulham. It means we're within one point of Cardiff going into these two final games of the season. But of course, it has huge uh, significance for Derby and that playoff picture. It was looking like you were going to slide out of it meekly uh, and one of either Millwall or godforsaken Brentford uh, might have uh, nicked that sixth spot. Obviously, Fulham still odds on to finish third because it's still in Cardiff's hands. And if they can win their two relatively easy games uh, against Hull and Reading, it will be then promoted no matter what Fulham do. That would most likely lead to a Fulham Derby playoff. How confident would you be if that's what is to come uh, for Derby County? Well, I wouldn't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, we've got two very tough games to stay in the top six. We've got Villa away on Saturday, who are pretty much looking at fourth. But even so, you know, they're still an extremely good side. And then Barnsley at home on the final day, who could be uh, who could be fighting for their lives. As they're, uh, they're in the bottom three as well. So there's no guarantee we'll finish in the top six. But if we were to, uh, right now, despite the terrific result last night, I still wouldn't be massively confident, really. I mean... I know that anything can happen in the playoffs, and I always think of 
the playoffs a couple of years ago when uh, when Brighton finished third on goal difference on 92 points behind Middlesbrough, I think. Yeah. Um, and then lost to Sheffield Wednesday in the playoffs who had finished sixth and probably, I don't know, like 12 points behind them or something. And they just got outplayed over two legs. So it can happen. You know, the playoffs do give teams a chance to, you know, reboot regroup uh, start again um you know it's uh, all or nothing sort of two-legged tie but I, I, th- I think back to the games when we played each other in the league and then a game at the cottage uh, before christmas you know we looked decent then and you guys hadn't really got going on that amazing run and it was a one-all draw uh, but then you know the game at pride park a few weeks ago you were clearly the better team um i know we, you know we pulled one back towards the end and it finished 2-1 but i think it could have been more and you know, we struggled to handle the likes of uh, Tom Kearney and, uh, and Ryan Sessegnon. So, as it stands, I would have my concerns and it would it would take a, another monumental effort akin to the one last night for us to beat you over two legs. But, as you say, you never know. It's a lottery, isn't it? Well, Chris, if it does come to that and uh, Derby do manage to successfully negotiate uh, those two tough tests uh, against Villa and Barnsley and it is a playoff semi-final between Derby and Fulham. No doubt uh, we'll be speaking to you then. Look forward to it. Cheers, Sammy. Well, thank you so much to Chris from Steve Bloomer's Washing. We've all got so much time for that podcast name uh, here on Fulhamish. I like to think Fulhamish is a a decent name. but It's it's Fulham-esque. It's absolutely nowhere near as good as Steve Bloomer's Washing, just for pure randomness. Yeah, I know. I think me and, Dave, uh, me and Ben were talking about setting up a World Cup po- a podcast called Davos Suka's Left Foot. But we've, um, <laughs> How's that back, going? It's on the back burner no, for now. Right, okay. It's up there with yours, your Sean Kavanagh's left foot. Is that, is that your latest Irish football podcast? Yeah, Sean Kavanagh's right foot. <laughs> Inside forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Best one we've ever had. Right, well, boys, thank you for being on today's Fulhamish Extra. Uh, we will be back. Actually, that's a lie. I won't be back. Jack will. will be back on Monday. Uh, looking back at the Sunderland game and of course reviewing what happens uh, in Hull versus Cardiff will we be going to Birmingham with promotion still a possibility it could be happening it's going to be a sellout at St Andrews and there's going to be loads to talk about on Monday's podcast so make sure uh, you're subscribed and now those podcasts will drop straight to you so to Jack Collins thank you very much thank you Sammy Tom Betts thank you it's alright we'll see you later have a great weekend come on Fulham Laters ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa here. And Julio Ricardo Varela. We are the co-hosts of the Roundtable podcast, In the Thick, where we talk about politics, race, and culture from a people of color perspective. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, we bring you the latest political news, covering the stories and issues that matter to communities of color with amazing POC journalists, activists, and academics from all over the country. So you're not going to want to miss our coverage because we have a lot of fun. We do. Which means that on election night, November 3rd, we are going to be hosting a live virtual show to give you the much needed POC perspective on this crucial night in our country. Follow us on social media at In The Thick Show to make sure you don't miss the updates and this live analysis. Subscribe to In The Thick wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends.